Welcome to Day Zero Update 4, March 5th, 2023. I'm your host, Chris Logie. And I'm Brandon Perkins. Yeah, two-man crew this week, but we're not yep. short on news. Nope. Uh, we have a ton of stuff here. Nothing really huge mm-hmm. here. For just a lot of smaller stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, there is one of the major publishers whose president is stepping down, uh, though it's not a huge surprise in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, before we get to all of that news, we'll talk about what we've been playing, uh, and I'll kick it off here. Uh, played Tentacular, which is a PSVR 2 game. Uh, the only one I've played in the past week, mostly just due to work schedule and all that. Yeah. Uh, but this one is a cool, one of those like uh, physics puzzle games, kind of, uh, where you play a giant tentacled creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of your hands, instead of hands, are uh, you know large test uh, tentacles that uh, you're controlling, and they're you know all physicsy. They you know shake around and all that kind of stuff the way you would expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can use them to pick up stuff, people, all that kind of stuff. You can just you know pick up a person, throw them into the distance. Uh, mm-hmm. They'll reappear. They'll just parachute back into the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you are on your 16th birthday mm-hmm. and as such you have to enter society and get a job yep as a, a result uh they have a nice little uh cute intro with the uh the girl you've been uh kind of family with and she mm-hmm. reveals that you're not a person that you're a tentacle monster mm-hmm. which i feel like you probably would have figured out at some point but uh, she goes through the whole rigmarole of explaining that you know what you need to get a job uh mm-hmm. You go into town and do a little test, uh, which is uh, they basically just tell you have this like machine that runs you through a bunch of questions that you don't answer because you can't, mm. you, know, you know, do any of the fine motor skill things that people with hands would be able to do. So it's like, ah, uh, you can work in the dump. Mm. Uh, and so uh, that is a, a whole weird thing. So that involves you. Uh, essentially going to this area, uh, pulling up a bunch of stuff because it, like, ah, oh, you need to get this uh, yellow, uh, you know, big uh, uh, crate thing that yeah. is pretty well stuck in this side of this rock. Uh, and so you kind of pull and pull and pull, and once you uh, pull it uh, out, it sort of causes the side of this mountain to uh, fall off and. Yeah. And there is an alien spaceship mm-hmm. that is kind of this whole where thing you grab onto it and you just get teleported to like a another dimension where you're just under underwater on this spaceship mm-hmm. and you have to like climb up this rope in a weird way. Mm. Uh, but outside of like some of the weird trippy stuff it does, uh, a lot of it is just like, hey, we need to, you know, uh, test out your abilities. So have you like stack up these. Uh, big, uh, you know, things you're finding in the water to build certain kind of structures, that kind of stuff, or throw mm. stuff around. A lot of uh, fairly basic things, though. Uh, after that incident with the spaceship, uh, your tentacles have a bunch of bandages wrapped up uh, mm. around them, and so like, oh, you gotta. It seems like you're doing okay, but you know, you should be able to get this. Uh, these bandages off, and I was like trying to figure out how to take them off. Figure they like grab them or rub them up against stuff. Uh, they seemed like they were mm. maybe loosened up a little bit there, but uh, 
ended up having me stick my hand in this big grinder or the, the tentacles in the grinder and kind of grinding up the, the bandages off, uh, which is a whole fun thing. Kind of playing around with the, uh, the areas like that required me to uh, rip off this uh, like latch that was holding the top and bottom part of this uh, island, the, the ground that was holding this hospital, mm-hmm. like turning it around so I could get access to this thing. Uh, that was, it does a lot of fun stuff with that. It's where you're kind of messing around with the environment or you can just have fun, uh, you know, with the physics and tossing people around. You can smack them on the head and kind of, uh, you know, flatten them out for a bit. Uh, you can start picking up people, stacking them up, uh, doing all sorts of fun things. Uh, that they do time you for the challenge, challenge stuff themselves. But uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool little thing. Uh, does a good job with everything that it's doing. So, Looking forward to put some more time into that. Uh, but for non-VR games, uh, the big one I played this week is Power Wash Simulator mm-hmm. uh, because they put out the Midgar special pack that uh, gives you a series of five jobs set in the world of Final Fantasy VII in Midgar. Mm-hmm. And the it's not as long of a job as the Tomb Raider pack was because the, mm-hmm. the Tomb Raider pack was like four environments to clean up and like one job that had two vehicles in it. Uh, and this is more like four vehicle jobs and one environment to it. So, uh, but the cool thing they do that makes this better than the Tomb Raider pack is it's set inside the world of final fantasy seven. And during that timeline, mm-hmm. uh, in the very early part of the game where, uh, Shinra is hires you for I think four of the five jobs are from Shinra themselves, mm. and so like the the first one you get is set in the lobby where they have uh, the truck and the the motorcycle that uh, Cloud and his crew take to escape from the Shinra building. That mm-hmm. uh, you clean those up and you get a little bit of a story about them, uh, the vehicles and all that. And so like, I didn't realize that truck was a three wheel truck. Uh, it has two front wheels and one back wheel. And so, mm. like, the bed is kind of triangular in shape a little bit. Uh, so, there, like, some of that's, like, a little bit disappointing the way it's done because it's, like, there's these two vehicles, but mm. it's, like, there's this big whole lobby. It's, like, well, it would be nice if you could clean that all out, too. Uh, it's weird that they would put the vehicles in there that are just filthy and mm. you clean those Uh but then next you wash the wash off the scorpion. Uh, you know, that's the, the first boss in the game uh, where uh, this thing's all filthy. And it's really cool to kind of clean up because uh, it's yeah. a lot of little parts in there that are fun. And it's also moving while it's doing this. So you see the, uh, the head moving around, the, the tails, uh, little clamp things kind of moving a bit and you can also move the uh the arms up and down uh, mm-hmm. so that you can kind of get under them or use them as leverage to get around uh elsewhere to wash it off and that all mm-hmm. is really well done uh so that's cool and that one you get the guy that i guess must head up their like weapons department and he's talking about how amazing this is and hearing about these little insects called avalanche that are like threatening to you know, do something to them mm-hmm. just talking shit the entire time uh, while talking up how amazing this 
this machine is. Uh, then next you go to Seventh Heaven, the bar that Tifa runs, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty much completely filthy. Uh, all throughout the, I think the story setup is that Don Corneo's men mm-hmm. were sent there to cause a ruckus, and they just threw food, food and shit all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, while she is uh, at a certain point, she says that she is setting up for their Sector One reactor. Uh, mission so uh even has like cloud uh supposedly come back to inspect the work after you're done mm-hmm. uh, so they kind of line that stuff up though cloud leaves his buster sword there and barrett leaves his machine gun uh attachment there so it's like that probably wouldn't happen mm-hmm. uh they just do that so you have some some more cool stuff there uh they also have a lot of the the cheesy signs that are all over the place that are very you know live laugh love kind of signs uh, that are just very weird to to see in more high def versus you know the uh, the way that it is in the original game. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the only real disappointment is I kind of wish the the one pinball machine worked and you had to go do the second you know, the basement layer to clean up. Uh, that would have been nice as well. Mm-hmm. But either way, it was still fun to go through. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to uh, the Shinra jobs uh, the. S- Second to last one is uh, the big model version of the uh, all the the reactor plates and all that. Mm. Uh, at least the the one that collapses by the end of the first disc, uh, which isn't too bad though. It were it was a thing that made it clear to me that the the reactors are not a part of the 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 sector that they are na- numbered after. Mm-hmm. They're on like the opposite side, so the the reactor one that gets blown up is not on sector one. Uh, their section, and that's like a the thing I didn't realize until I saw this this whole layout uh, set up in this in this one lobby. So uh, that's really cool sort of detail there. And that's all you're doing is just cleaning that. So lots of little pieces there, uh, especially when you see the the Schindler building with all the, the pipes and shit all over it. Uh, then the final one is the, I forget what it's called. The, uh, the, the boss that's in the second reactor sector that they go to, uh, the big, uh, mechanical boss that has the, uh, the, like the floating platform that it hangs on, that it moves around on. I forget what that thing is called, but, you clean that thing off too, and that's uh, a really cool uh, thing to do. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot in the in the uh, the big model of the uh, the Shinra, the all the all the Midgar sector stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a big explosion that happens at a certain point in there, uh, which is you know the sector one explosion. Yeah, that happens, and you hear the guy that you're talking to like texting you like, "Wait, what was that?" And coming back to you, like uh, something happened at Sector One's reactor, uh, you're gonna be okay here, but uh, mm-hmm. I gotta go do some work, kind of thing. Yeah, and it's like okay, that's really cool. It's a really cool way to kind of set this in the actual world. Yep. Uh, versus the Tomb Raider one, where it's just like I, I'm I'm away, but there's there's shit that needs clean, so do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever. Um, and yeah, the last one you're still cleaning up that mech uh, boss that. Again, the the dude is talking shit about 
well, this is the one that's going to take down Avalanche because uh, this thing's unstoppable and all that. And it's like, yeah, okay, buddy. Uh, so you finish that up, you're done. Uh, it's pretty quick to do, like four or five hours. Uh, so nothing really too complicated there. Just some some really fun jobs that I think are some of the best because uh, I think mm-hmm. I think the best vehicle that was in that original campaign is probably the monster truck mm-hmm. that was really fun because i think it's the first one that you can kind of get under and it has lots of little nooks and crannies you can get into and it's just kind of a fun a fun vehicle to work on and uh the the stuff they got here is uh on par with that stuff uh for the, the big to the two big bosses that you have to clean off uh, especially because i think the one you can get under it uh, so that kind of adds to it. So, yeah, those are really cool. Definitely worth checking out because they're free uh, for whatever platform you have it on. So there you go for that. And uh, let's see, Theater Rhythm, Final Bar Line, still continuing mm-hmm. to play that. Uh, I am, I've completed all the, the side games. Now I've gone back through the mainline stuff. I am in the Final Fantasy VII side stuff, the Advent Children and Crisis Core, I think are the, the two games that have the songs in here. Uh, mm-hmm. Advent Children has some really good songs that are kind of uh, spins on the songs from the original game, mm-hmm. uh, especially the the one uh, piano song in Aerith's bar in uh, Aerith's, uh church. That mm-hmm. whole fight there that's really cool. Just some really good music there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I've been working through that, and I've had my first run in the Endless World. Uh, and at eight songs, I think uh, I managed to complete. Uh, failed on the last two because they were just way tougher than I could handle. So I'm looking forward to trying it out again, seeing how my luck goes. Because I think I have trophies for getting to ten and twenty songs in. Uh, so that's the whole thing there. That's that mode you essentially get presented with uh, random songs to play and you have to complete their quest. Uh, so the early ones you get are pretty easy stuff. And usually you get a choice of at least two songs. Uh, sometimes it'll throw one in there just to uh, test you, but usually get two or three songs, uh, but they get progressively tougher as you go. So uh, it's a nice little spin on the challenge and let you kind of play these songs that I think you get a little more XP out of them as a result. So that's, uh, that's theater rhythm, final bar line. Uh, still liking it a lot. There's one annoying thing is it has like tips that show up on the loading screens that I don't think show up anywhere else in the game. Mm. And I've seen glimpses of some stuff. It's like, Hey, it would be nice to know that. And then it disappears. Mm. Uh, and I'm super annoyed by that kind of stuff mm. or it's, you know, I would, think the best way to do it is like hey you've seen it unlock it in the you know where the the tutorial stuff is listed in there yeah. uh but no they're just like nope that was information you probably could use to know so mm. screw you uh so now i'm like you can pause on the load screens which is weird mm. uh you just keep it from advancing past it uh whether you're you know not ready to start the song or just need to pause before you start the song uh, anything like that, uh, but that's a thing I'm going to have to do because uh, 
they explained a good bit in there, but some of it's in the tutorial stuff, but a lot of it's like there was something about if you complete a song on two different difficulties, you get some sort of bonus, but that's as much as I could glean before it disappeared out of my sight. Uh, so yeah, there's those loading into the songs and loading out, and the loading out's obviously a lot faster than loading in. So that's uh, that's an annoying thing. Uh, but for the last thing here, I started up Gotham Knights. I uh, got it from this Humble Bundle we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, the Steam version, I was kind of weary about it because I know the that game doesn't run super well on any platform, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. But I started that. I Basically, I finished up early on the, the Power Wash stream I was doing. I was like, I'll just start this because I want to see if it's feasible to like stream and run that game at the same time. Mm-hmm. And didn't look good early on because it's was just sitting at a black screen for a few minutes as the game decided if it was going to run or not. Uh, But I managed to get it working for the most part, but it's definitely iffy on the frame rate stuff. So I think with the uh, OBS and stream stuff going, that's probably no go, but uh, that I did basically up to the point where you get to like explore the city freely. Uh, So the intro is all just a cutscene of Ra's al Ghul, which I guess is technically pronounced Ra's al Ghul. I've never heard it being like consistent. Yeah, they everybody pronounces it Ra's al Ghul mm-hmm. in this. Uh, whereas I think in Origins, Batman Origins, the movie, it's Ra's al Ghul. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is all hopped up on his. Uh, his Lazarus pit juice, I guess. Mm-hmm. So he's just constantly getting, you know, uh, in this fight with Batman getting fucked up and then coming back uh, constantly and eventually kills Batman uh, to which he kind of tries to have the, the bat cave uh, blown up to, you know, kill Ra's al Ghul in the process. Uh, but yeah, the, the, uh, you know, the Bat crew shows up a while later after they get, you know, a notification from uh, the Bat cave or whatever shit's gone down. And they, so, you know, find Bruce dead. Uh, then it goes through the, you know, cemetery thing where they have the, the funeral and all that as they, you know, gets Batman's last case that sets him on this, you know, long thing to figure out, like, who killed him. Uh, what was this thing he was looking for uh, that was investigating that led to his death and all that. And yeah, the you get to pick your person, you know, after that. And that is a whole interesting thing. So I'm, the way they frame it, everybody has like a different thing they go do initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went with Red Hood. So it was like, oh, this guy's your brawler type dude also has a gun uh, that he uses for like a, that's like his heavy attack essentially. Um, And it had the whole thing where I went to a professor scientist dude that, you know, Batman was sort of uh, looking at as part of this case. And you go down there and, you know, whoever's dudes are, you know, setting vehicles on fire and all that kind of shit over there. So you kind of take out a bunch of them. Uh, I forget whose crew that might've been part of, but you get through that, you get to the, the bat tower, the belfry that 
is a part of the the Batman universe that generally uh, Batgirl uh, Barbara Gordon hangs out in when she was paralyzed. Uh, but this time it's sort of your base of operations and Alfred shows up there. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, Bruce is dead, but, you know, I still care about all of you kids. So he helps them out in that way as well. Uh, so there, from there, that's where I basically stopped, you know, after some more story stuff. This is like a good hour of mostly story, a little bit of tutorial, explaining all the combat and all that uh, for that. And yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Uh, but I basically got out to the first night of patrol stuff. And I don't know mm-hmm. what's after that. It's where I saved and quit because I was just trying to figure out how to save and quit instead of you know mm. doing whatever was going on there because that game doesn't make it super easy to know like you know like a lot of games when you try to quit out it's like are you going to save here or am I going to lose progress because mm-hmm. uh, even if I you know do something see the save icon and go to quit out it's like ah, you're going to lose progress and it's like what the fuck does that mean mm. I'm pretty sure I just saved like seconds ago but whatever but yeah, that's been pretty much all I've been doing. So, Brandon, how about you? Well, uh, as for me, um, I played and finished Hi-Fi Rush. Um, and, you know, I, technically I finished the campaign. The way that the game ends is that there's like this thing where you can go back uh, through all the old levels because there's like some additional challenges and stuff to sort of tie up a loose end here or there. But Basically, I finished the game, and yeah, that game is incredibly fun and entertaining. Um, I will admit it kind of takes a little bit to grow on you because starting out the game is kind of uh, it, it, the early environments and stuff is kind of bland. Um, but you know, the characters do grow on you, and you know, once Peppermint gets involved, it becomes a lot more entertaining. Um, but yeah, uh, loved that game. Highly recommend it. Um, has a great soundtrack. It's pretty much the first rhythm action game I've played that actually made me feel like I was actually, you know, not screwing it up. <laughs> um, because Hellsinger is a fun game as well, but it is also famously rather, uh, it's also rather difficult to play um because you have to be on beat all the time and if you're not then you can't really do very good damage to the enemies you're fighting and they can swarm you very easily uh but yeah after i finished high five rush i decided to use my uh ps plus extra account and i decided to start playing scarlet nexus which is uh it's it, it, it was i didn't quite didn't know really what to think of it at first because the you know, on the surface, it looks like a fairly generic sort of anime action RPG. Um, but I started sort of looking into it more, and it ended up being a lot deeper than I thought it was going to be. Um, essentially, the whole sort of plot is that this takes place in sort of a sometime in the near future where uh, some scientists managed to synthesize a chemical in the brain that allows psionic powers. But the which ends up being that psionics sort of become the majority of the population, like over 99%. But the flip side of this is that for whatever reason, these massive uses of psionic powers has created a 
essentially like a hole in space time, more or less, that has caused all of these uh, creatures called others to start bleeding into our reality. And it essentially causes a straight up like apocalypse event. Um, and essentially all the remnants of humanity have to kind of like sort of shut themselves off in these various settlements um, that are basically these cities that are walled off from the outside world. And um, essentially you, the character you play as, uh, signs up to be a member of what's called the OSF, which is a essentially a part of the government's uh, military whose job is to go out into the parts that are now abandoned and try to destroy any others that show up so that, you know, their numbers don't get too big and they can make their way into the wall, into the walled off cities. Um, but then what happens is during one of the, well, there's actually, I need to explain. There's essentially two story threads in this game, uh, depending on which character you choose to start off with. There's two of them. There's Yuito, who is a dude who uses a sword. And then there's, Kasane, who I've been playing as, and they both have the same psionic power. They're both, um, you know, they're, uh, they're, you know, they're both have a psychokinesis. They can essentially pick things up and throw them around with their minds. The difference is that Yuito is primarily a sword user, whereas Kasane uses her uh, psionic powers to basically use a series of small butterfly knives that she uses uh, sort of to whip them around with her brain instead of using her hands. And it's just her mode of combat is just a lot more fun. Um, but what happens is about sort of early in the game, one of the members of the OSF is shot by what appears to be another OSF agent. Uh, and the shot in, because the character has a, uh, their psionic power is they can see, like, they have precognition, and they can see, like, 20 seconds into the future. Um, and she ends up taking the bullet for one of the characters, but the bullet doesn't kill her. Instead, it ends up turning her into an other. And then a sort of, the sort of retrieval mechanism that's used by the OSF suddenly appears and takes her into, they have no idea. And eventually they start to find out that there's this weird thing happening where it's possible that others might actually be former humans. And then there's like this, this plot that happens where a, a faction of the OSF decides to defect to another, um, to another settlement called Ceyron because the one that they're um, in Suo is ruled very authoritarian like, and is basically like psionic supremacist more or less. Um, but then they find out that, Sauron are using, um, well, I'm not going to spoil that, but yeah, as you can tell, the story gets a lot weirder. And then on top of all that, there's also a time travel mechanic that plays in, and it has to do with this weird sort of black hole thing that's opening up over a abandoned uh, part of old Japan called the called uh, called Kasanad. And it's it's like slowly growing, and it has something to do with the the psychokinetic users and the what their power is doing to it. And it's yeah, it's it's a lot more <laughs> it's a lot more complicated than you would originally think. Um, and as for like the actual gameplay, the combat is 
actually it's it's not complicated, but it definitely has a little more elements happening under the surface than you would think. Um, because you're playing a psychokinetic person, that means that you have like this power meter underneath, and depending on how full it is and you know how big it is, you can like during combat you can pretty much fairly effort- effortlessly pick up like any nearby object that you can pick up using either the right trigger for like regular stuff that you can like use as like an extra one or two hits during like a combo but there's also another kind of psychokinetic thing where you use the left trigger where you can pick up like larger objects and depending on you know its type uh you can use it to like do multiple hits or you can use it for like an elemental effect or you can uh like one of them is like a uh like a bundle of uh, construction beams that you can then like take apart and then use the construction beams, you know, to like spin them around several times and like take out like a whole crowd of enemies. There's one point where you can even like rip off like a giant chandelier from the ceiling and literally spin it around like a top (laughs) Um, and control it and just sort of whip it around and like hit multiple enemies with it. It's actually a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what I've been playing. All right. So yeah, let's get to some news here. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, we got a new month. So new games for your monthly subscription services. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already know what the PlayStation Plus is, but we'll go over it real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Since that got announced. Uh, was that last week? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was. So. Yeah, uh, let's see. For PS5, PS4, Battlefield 2024, uh, a game that had a very rocky launch. Oh, uh, yes. First year or so, and it's gotten its legs under it. Uh, it's supposed to be pretty decent at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, though, uh, you know, still probably a little bit rough around the edges, but uh, probably a solid time to get into that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that, uh, let's see. For PS4, Minecraft Dungeons, mm-hmm. the Diablo-like uh, Minecraft game, uh, where you're just going around fighting enemies, uh, getting loot and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my time playing it on Game Pass, it's all mm-hmm. right. It's nothing amazing on that front. Mm-hmm. Uh, the loot's loot's not always that good. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's all right. So. There you go for that. And then there's Code Vein, the Bandai Namco Souls-like that is just full of anime to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is also in there. So pretty solid month for that. Uh, I think the the extra uh, premium lineup is going to be a good bit better because you're going to have uh, some cool stuff being added there. Uh, I think Chia and a few other games are part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be pretty cool once that gets fully revealed in a few weeks here. Mm. Uh, for Games with Gold, I even had a chance to look at this. Wow, they got three games this time. Yeah. Uh, for the first time in a while. Uh, let's see. Available for the whole month. Wow, they're going all out on this. Trooper Book, uh, which mm. is an indie game. I think it's a narrative adventure game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen this for a while, thought about getting it at some point, but just never hold the trigger on it. Mm. Uh, well, that could be pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, it looks very kind of 
uh, CG-esque kind of uh, adventure game. So mm-hmm. uh, that could be neat. Uh, let's see. Also available for the whole month. Wow, they're going all out. Sudden Strike 4 Complete Collection. Uh, that is a World War II real-time strategy game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out quite a long time ago, but they have uh, remastered it uh, for PC and the, the new console. Or I don't know if that's all for the new consoles. I'll double-check. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might just be Xbox One for this. Uh, but yeah, it's one of those kind of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you can try and play with the controller if you're on console. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see where the platforms mentioned. Okay, it is also on the new console, so mm-hmm. Xbox Series X and S, so it might look and run a little bit better there. Mm. Uh, so yeah, you can check that out. And then uh, for March 16th to April 15th, mm. Lamentum, which I mm-hmm. have no clue what that is. Uh, let's see, what does this look like? Oh, this is a uh, like a RPG kind of thing, mm-hmm. like almost like a a very generic looking RPG, maybe like a mm-hmm. horror RPG kind of thing. So that could be neat for that. Yep, that's mm-hmm. that looks very much. There's a person standing there crying blood. Yep, that's a horror game, mm-hmm. horror RPG. So that could be neat, but you have to wait uh, another two weeks for that mm-hmm. to be available. So all right, lineup, nothing amazing there, but. Uh, there you go. Three games that you can check out now instead of the normal two. So they're going all out. And so, yeah, both of those are available till the 31st, the first two games. Uh, so yeah, that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, but yeah, still not anything big there. Those are all small games. So, uh, But speaking of big games, Humble Bundle has a huge bundle that is available for how much longer... Where's their timer at on this thing? Three more days as of this recording. Uh, So that'll be Wednesday evening, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, it's 30 bucks for everything. It's 72 games. Mm. And the big ones there, Gotham Knights, Ghost Runner. uh, These are all Steam games. You also get a couple of books. Mm. Uh, There's two Starfinder RPG books for Mm. tabletop people. And then there's the first 10 volumes of Saga, the comic series. So that's supposed to be really good. Mm. I think it's what, Robert Kirkland's second series after The Walking Dead? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's see what else is on here. XCOM 2, Payday 2, Strange Brigade, Euro Mm -hmm. Truck Simulator 2, Farming Simulator 17, System Shock, and System Shock 2. Uh, So a lot of good stuff here into the pit. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so they also highlights a number of games that are from Turkish developers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they got a bunch of stuff there from them, uh, like about like eight or nine games. But yeah, a lot of good stuff here. If you do not have mm-hmm. a lot of it, uh, but yeah, really cool uh, stuff to see here. Uh, if you want to support, uh, what are the charities they have here? Direct Relief, International Medical Corps and save the children that are all doing work over in uh, Turkey, I believe. So Mm -hmm. uh, you can also do your uh, adjustment of how much you're giving to any one of the charities, that kind of stuff. But 
Yeah, so far I think they've raised yeah almost yeah just over two and a half million dollars mm. uh, US. So that is cool to see. Uh, so yeah, if you want to get a bunch of games and help uh, things with the Turkey Syria earthquake relief over there, mm. uh, that is a, a a good small way to help out over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back to capitalism. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's. Uh, a next-gen version of The Outer Worlds coming this yep. week, uh, March 7th, uh, but is not a free upgrade. is paid because it also requires you to have the game and the DLC. Uh, to do this, uh, it is a $10 upgrade, I think, on top of that. Uh, conveniently, the game and the DLC are all on sale right now, uh, though I think the they said the full price would be 60 bucks for this, I believe, uh, for the new-gen version, uh, which is pretty good, though. If you go through buying the game that's on sale right now, and I think the $10 upgrade, it would still be about 50 bucks or so. Mm. So you're not really getting too much of a savings versus just continuing to wait and wait for that version to go on sale, probably sometime this summer. Uh, but they have done a decent amount of work here uh, it'll run better, look better, but they've gone over the art in the world. Uh, so it kind of looks different, too. Uh, mm. You can see it in the the trailer where they kind of go over the environments and show you like what they looked like before and after. And it's pretty noticeably different, like different lighting and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know if there's... Was there a day-night cycle in the Outer Worlds? I don't mm. think so. Uh... I don't think there was, because I very distinctly remember that, like, a lot of some of those places would be, like, in permanent sunset or whatever. Yeah. And that's that's what the the lighting makes it look like. You're going from, like, daytime to, like, sunset or something like that in some of the areas. And it's like, I don't know if this is better. It's different. Uh, You could technically say it's probably improved. Uh, but I also believe they're increasing the level cap to maybe 99. There's not a ton of detail in the descriptions here. Uh, but yeah, also you have all the DLC, which I think are all sort of separate areas they take you to for a little mini campaign of like five to 10 hours or something like that uh, for what they are. But that is a uh, a nice little upgrade there. Probably not one you have to like run out for uh, to get right away because it's March. There's a ton of games coming out this month. Mm. So there's no real reason to run for this unless you're really into outer, the Outer Worlds. Yeah. And don't confuse it with the Outer Wilds. Yeah. I mean, they're both good games, and the Outer Worlds is actually pretty good too, but uh, it, it, the big issue is that it's not nearly as... It's it's kind of short. <laughs> That's kind of the problem. It has a lot going A lot of ways to the story, and a lot of ways the game can go, you know, like you know, like Fallout New Vegas, but it has none of the length of Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, and I would say the experience, from what I can remember of it, feels very milk toast. Yeah. To it, where it did not really feel like it had an identity. It felt like it was trying to bite off some of the Borderlands stuff yeah, to its world, and like mix that with what they did in Fallout New Vegas, and kind of just didn't make anything that felt unique and interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you got this game that makes fun of the capitalism stuff while you fully engage with it and all that. Mm. Then also you go and you know scour every corner of 
every area to get all the little shit you can and sell off the, the stuff you don't need and whatnot. And then go look around in every nook and cranny and make sure you get all the content. Mm. And you're going to wear yourself out at a certain point. But yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, for Nintendo's side, they are adding two big things to their uh, services. Uh, Nintendo Ooh. Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Co- Booster Course Pass Wave 4. is finally out March 9th, uh, which I believe is Friday or well, Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they finally reveal like all the courses that are going to be in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, they got, let's see, one from Tour, one from GBA, one from the Wii game. Uh, they added a, this is a new one. It has a new and nostalgic course inspired by Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island. Uh, just a reminder that Yoshi's Island is the sequel to Super Mario World mm-hmm. officially. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, they made a new stage for that. Uh, and the other mm-hmm. one, there's a tour track, a DS track, a GameCube track, yep. oh, Waluigi Stadium. So that might be uh, mm-hmm. an annoying track. Uh, and then another tour one in that last one. So two tours. I feel like they added a lot of tour tracks compared to the others. Mm. Uh, but also Birdo is a playable character now because I think they've said that they are adding a new playable character with each of the, the three remaining packs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Birdo's the one here. Uh, coming in uh, an opportune time where the uh, the culture war is centered around transgender people. And Birdo's a character that's, you know, is very, uh, maybe not transgender, but very intersex uh, in a way. Not really a one set thing, but, you know. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, going to be available on the 9th if you already have the the season pass for all this stuff, you'll get that automatically. Or if you have Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack, you'll also get that as well. Uh, also coming to that expansion pack is uh, Metroid Fusion for the GBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, that is the the original Metroid game that they made on there. Not a remake of the original Metroid, but... Uh, you know, the third Metroid, essentially, at that point. Though so it might have come out... I don't know if that came... That probably came out right before Metroid Prime or right after. I know those two games had some sort of connectivity to it uh, with the link cable and all that. Uh, but, yeah, this is the one that involves the X-Parasite. Uh, you know, similar to the Metroid stuff. So uh, it creates like a another version of Samus that's trying to fuck shit up and then eventually try and kill you kind of thing. So that's cool. Uh, that's something people will be able to check out here later this week. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've actually never played Fusion. Because um, I've been told it's actually legit really good. Um, yeah. So maybe I'll actually get a chance now. Yep. Uh, that'll be on the expansion pack later this week. Uh, also happening later this week, Capcom has announced a Capcom Spotlight stream mm-hmm. where they'll be essentially talking about five of their big upcoming releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Exo Primal, Monster Hunter Rise, Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection, and Ghost Trick Phantom Detective. 
Uh, so I imagine this is where they drop a date for that. The demo they said they were going to put out for Resident Evil 4. Uh, maybe that'll happen during the stream. They'll announce the it'll be out that day. Uh, Exoprimal has to come out at some point since they've shown it enough. Mm. Uh, I'm guessing Monster Hunter Rise they'll show uh, whatever their next big update is or event for that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mega Man will probably just show more of that because that's out in April, I believe. Mm-hmm. Then Ghost Trick, I don't believe that has a date yet. Um, double check and yeah, just the summer. So maybe we'll see that in action and maybe get a date for that. Who knows? But uh, yeah, could be pretty cool. Uh, so it's a publisher stream that uh, people should keep an eye on. I have it happening at, let's see, March 9th at 2.30 p.m. Pacific, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. So that's a thing to keep an eye on there for you. I guess I'll also have a pre-show, so they might announce other stuff there. So there you go. Uh, let's see. Yeah, happening next week, Post Void is finally releasing. Uh, that game got delayed a good bit. There, I think it was supposed to come out last Yeah. Uh, but got for PS4 and Switch, and the PS5 version needs a little mm-hmm. more time, so it'll be out a little bit later this year. Uh, mm-hmm. But it will be cross by with the PS4 version, so you'll get that new version whenever that's ready. Yeah. Uh, but that's the like retro-ish first-person shooter that's just full-on uh, with like trippy art style stuff going on. Yeah. In it. it looks like like uh, how can I put this? It looks like someone like took like a randomizer mod for like doom or something and then just you know plugged it in and said go nuts yeah that's literally what it looks like it's like you know like if somebody took like like quake 2 or whatever and just well not quake 2 but like yeah like literally like doom or something it looks a lot like uh all the various doom wads that are out there yeah (laughs) Yeah, even like the 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 Noah's Ark uh, shooter, kind of that kind of weird yeah. style. Which fun fact about that? That was put out by Wintry, who were the fam- the the company famously who did that Bible game for the NES, the one where you know Bible Adventures. Yeah, Bible Adventures. Um, they also had like a Zelda clone. Also, uh, I forgot what it was called, but. Yeah, uh, that see that their games were like unlicensed Nintendo cartridges, right? Yeah, yeah, Tengen. Yeah, and back in the day, there, uh, you know, it, it was easier to make uh, unlicensed Nintendo cartridges. So Nintendo had this thing where it was like, we got to you know find some way to gatekeep from these unlicensed cartridges being used for our system. So there's like a mechanism in the SNES where you, you know, you, uh, the game, you know, it can only read like authorized Nintendo software. So that, that Noah game you were talking about, um, it basically was built like a game genie where you would plug it in and then you had to plug like an actual, uh, Nintendo cart, uh, actual SNES cartridge on top of it. <laughs> yeah, 
and the plastic was like really bad grade. So it, if you played it for too long, it could act, you could actually smell it burning. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see here. We'll get to our next game here. Sifu uh, will finally be releasing on Xbox series X and S Xbox one and uh, steam mm-hmm. on March 28th. That'll also be releasing alongside the big arenas update mm-hmm. that they have announced. Uh, so that is yeah, going to add nine new locations and 45 merciless challenges spread over five game modes. Mm-hmm. The arenas expansion packs up to 10 extra hours of gameplay. Uh, let's see. Yeah. I like it's a bit of like wave mode kind of stuff where you're fighting mm-hmm. waves of enemies. They're coming at you. Let's see. That's survival mode, push to perfection and performance mode, time attack. We're trying to I assume kill as many enemies as you can in a certain amount of time. Uh, there's capture mode uh, where players must take and hold a marked area or manhunt mode where a specific target surrounded by protectors must be taken down. So that's cool. They're adding a bunch of new modes essentially for built around like the combat challenge stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Um, more people can check that out. So there you go. That'll be later this month. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yep. Th- that they've said, like, hey, what if we put it out two days earlier? Mm-hmm. And so now it's going to be out April 5th instead of April 7th. So the that'll be a Wednesday instead of a Friday. Mm. Uh, which is a thing uh, studios like to do because then they can get more money that first weekend. Uh, by having it available a couple days extra and get the weirdos that like to go during the middle of the week instead of the weekend to the theater. Uh, weirdos like me. So there you go. You'll be able to check it out a couple days earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, then next up, our last, I think, dates of uh, the week. Atlas Fallen finally got a date, May 16th. I feel like this is the game that got announced. Uh, I think it's either the Game Awards or uh, Summer Games Fest. I'm going to double check because I'm pretty sure we still got it. Yeah, this was Gamescom opening night live August 28th. Mm. That just had a date of 2023, and it felt like that was a date that meant it was way further off than just coming out, you know, seven or eight months later. Mm. Uh, but that is the game that is coming from yeah, Focus Entertainment and developer Deck 13. Uh, who's the makers of, I think, The Surge and a bunch of other games like that. Uh, So that's uh, cool to see. Uh, This is, I believe, more of an action RPG, maybe loot stuff to it, maybe trying to be more like a Diablo or something like that, Mm -hmm. or maybe a Monster Hunter that might be more what they're going for here. You know, lots of screenshots of big giant monsters and a group of people trying to fight it. Hmm. Yeah, it might be more Monster Hunter ish. Yeah, kind of. So that could be cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that'll be out May sixteenth on the new consoles and PC. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. When you can pencil in for May. Uh, but a game that you might have forgotten was announced at one point: Pokemon Sleep. Uh, they had a Pokemon Day stream where they announced a bunch of. Uh, stuff for the various games as well as a couple of new things mm-hmm. uh there's like two new shows we talked about one of them on let's weekend mm-hmm. uh but pokemon sleep was one of those games that seemed very weird when it got originally announced a few years ago yeah and just disappeared 
Mm-hmm. Uh, seems like it's going to actually be releasing here this summer. Mm-hmm. I still don't know why this is going to be a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of a sleep tracking app. And instead of it being like a lot of those where, you know, you have a, a fitness watch that kind of tracks your, uh, you know, heart rate and all that while you're sleeping to, you know, tell when you're actually out Mm-hmm. versus just resting and all that. So this seems to just not use any of that. You have to keep your phone on your bed, and it sort of tells mm-hmm. that you're asleep by you not moving. I don't know. It's That it seems like a iffy thing. Also, I don't charge my phone anywhere near my bed, so I don't. I wouldn't be able to do this at all without mm-hmm. it you know, being you know, losing battery and not charging overnight when I mm-hmm. wanted to charge up. So this is a weird thing. Seems neat mm-hmm. for people that can make use of this, but I don't know how it's going to be as a thing that people will care about. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know that there, it really has all that much information to work with maybe Pokemon go or something. It just seems mm-hmm. like it's uh, a whole thing, but oh, yeah. it has, a, has a new professor, professor Neroli who re- researches Pokemon sleep. So uh, you know, there's a another professor that people can thirst after because mm-hmm. uh, that's the thing that people do these days. Oh yeah, uh, I see people complain that like every single Pokemon professor is hot now. So yeah, well, <laughs> um, you know, blame the Pokemon company because apparently it gets them sales. <laughs> She'd be like, oh, that didn't used to be case, and then you look at Professor Oak and you're like, nope. That dude's got the like George Clooney look to him. Yeah. Where it's like, no, I think it's always been this way. Just nobody uh, was that uh, horny on Maine, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. On mm-hmm. one game that's not going to be releasing this year, The Wolf Among Us 2. Yep. Uh, Telltale confirmed that they would be delaying it just completely out of the year to launching next year at some mm-hmm. point, 2024. Uh, They want to avoid crunching the team and releasing an unfinished product as it moves development into Unreal Engine 5. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that works out for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that's a game I would like to play. Uh, But yeah, Telltale has not been able to get any of those projects they've announced uh, in the past few years Mm -hmm. to release at all. Uh, Because they still got the series based on the Expanse that still is in the works at some point. Mm -hmm. Supposed to be out this year at some point, but we have not heard anything about that. Mm-hmm. That just shows up at like uh, Jeff Keeley press conferences, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Don't expect that game this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get to the the rest of the news that doesn't involve release dates. Uh, Final Fantasy 16 is approaching. I got a bunch of uh, uh, previews and such, and there was some. Some interesting information I didn't know about uh, that came out as a part of this, mm. uh, particularly about how they do accessibility in this game. Uh, and besides just having like bespoke difficulty settings and stuff like that, mm. uh, I think they have settled on this whole notion of you equip the one of these five accessories that uh, changes the uh, different parts of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the this game former article kind of goes over this. There's the ring of timely focus, mm-hmm. uh, which slows down 
the game to a halt as you're about to uh, get hit by an enemy. So then you see an R1 prompt appear on screen with a circle depleting around it to indicate how much time you have left. And that's your dodge button. So if you have trouble with dodging in this game, Mm -hmm. uh, that's a way to uh, make it easier on you. Mm. Uh, There's a ring of timely assistance where you have a dog named Torgal that you can mainly select Torgal's attacks. But wearing this ring lets Torgal attack automatically. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's cool. You get a little assistance there versus uh, having to kind of manually select attacks for it to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds like it's probably similar to the way that Final Fantasy VII Remake works for the other characters. Mm. Uh, or they attack automatically, but you can also get in there and give them specific things to do. Uh, there's a ring of timely strikes. Uh, let's see, with that ring equipped, you can just press square and Clive will perform the combos automatically so you don't have to complete, you know, more complex combos if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's cool. Because uh, if you don't really know what this game is doing, it's not really an RPG so much mm-hmm. as more of an action game, like a Devil May Cry kind of thing. Uh, particularly because they have the the combat designer from the, at least Devil May Cry 5, uh, working on this game. And he's very much been saying this game is better than Devil May Cry 5. Which is, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just marketing, being like, oh, that last thing I did is shit, despite what everybody thinks about it. But mm-hmm. uh, let's see, Ring of Timely in- Evasion allows Clive to automatically dodge most attacks, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. And Ring of Timely Healing, uh, when Clive's HP drops to a certain point, he will automatically use a potion to heal, as long as you still have potions. Uh, so that's a neat way to do that stuff. I think it'll probably also have plenty of. Uh, bespoke options for control, mm. customization, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, but these are like five things they tie to uh, various parts of the the combats that if you need to make it a little easier, you can equip them mm-hmm. and make that stuff a little bit easier for you. Mm. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, and the other yeah. one, since yeah, it's very uh, Devil May Cry style combat, mm. uh, you might wonder like, well, does it keep you know scores and grade you after every fight, that kind of stuff? And it seems like no, it doesn't, but it technically does. Mm. Uh, it just keeps that stuff hidden so that, I guess, when you beat the game, uh, you can go back through it and start uh, the arcade mode, uh, which is where it's able to give you scores and uh, grades and that kind of stuff and sort of set up those fights for sort of leaderboard systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, which yeah definitely is not a thing you would ever expect to be in a Final Fantasy game mm-hmm. uh, and this game is certainly going for uh, a more action oriented approach which they've been doing that for almost 10 years at this point since 12 mm-hmm. at least was starting in that direction uh, 11 and 12 are sort of more a little more action oriented those are more MMO styled uh, it's a little bit of uh Less turn-based stuff, but yeah, 13 started towards that, and then 15 was very much like an open-world action kind of game. So, yeah, 16 sort of capitalizing on all of that. Uh, It looks like it's going to be a pretty interesting game, so Mm -hmm. uh, that'll be pretty neat. So, yeah, there's some interesting info there for Final Fantasy 16. Yeah. It'll be out in June, I think. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, there you go. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. 
And then, awesome. uh, yeah, IO Interactive announced that they are working on another game. Yep. Uh, besides the Bond game, this is one they are calling Project Fantasy. And is an online fantasy RPG uh, with a focus on teamwork and camaraderie. Uh, and they are working on that. And that's an interesting game to announce because it's been rumors for a while that they were working on an Xbox published game. That's called like mm-hmm. Project Dragon, I think, something like that, some sort of fantasy game. So that mm-hmm. seems like this would fit that, though obviously the name's different. And if it was Xbox published, that doesn't seem like they would be announcing it on their own this way. Because this is very much done in a way to like recruit people to join the team. They even link to a number of the, the openings they have for this specific project. And that game's been in the the rumor mill for at least a few years, so I would think it would be further along or they wouldn't be announcing a thing for you know recruitment purposes. Mm. So it's kind of an interesting announcement to make. because uh, it's it's like, well what's what were all these supposed leaks all about then? Were they super early in this process where they weren't even you know sure what they were making and sort of why was Xbox tied to this? Mm-hmm. Uh because if they're publishing it, then it would not get announced this way. Mm-hmm. It would get announced at one of the... A thing that Xbox would announce, like a streamer event or something like that, an E3 show, something like that. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's exciting to see something different for them. They uh, they have not always been a Hitman team. They made stuff mm-hmm. like Freedom Fighters and Mini Ninjas yeah. and stuff like that. Kane uh, and Lynch... Uh, those things kind of didn't do very well. And so they said like, Hey, yeah. let's go back to the well on the Hitman and kind of reimagine it from the ground up. And that's where mm-hmm. the 2016 Hitman came into being. Uh, but now that they've finished that trilogy mm. and put out the freelancer update, they're kind of moving on to, they got the bond game that's coming out at some point mm. that we've literally never seen. So that I would hope comes out maybe next year. Mm-hmm. And I will see, but it seems like a perfect IP for them, and this seems like a cool way for them to kind of stretch their legs and try something new. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's yeah. going to happen at some point, but yeah, no date or anything. Probably not even going to be out for a couple more years at least. Yeah, uh, we're looking at like probably like 2026 at the earliest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, there you go. If you're wondering mm-hmm. what they're, what else they're working on past Hitman and uh, the Bond game, mm-hmm. uh, this seems to be it. Mm-hmm. They've got a few studios and they're working on things for a while. So mm-hmm. there you go for that. Next up here, there's a new Deep Rock Galactic game called Deep Gro- Deep Rock Galactic Survivor. Mm-hmm. That is an auto shooting survival game. Yep. An ass game, mm-hmm. uh, like Vampire Survivors. Yep, that is uh, cool to see. Like a bigger studio, or I don't think it's the same studio, but uh, they, uh, the developer of Deep Rock Galactic, doing something cool with their series. Mm. Uh, this cool little thing that I would not have expected out of anything big, because it's a lot of the games that have been spinoffs of Vampire Survivors have been either dumb hentai 
bullshit or mm-hmm. you know people trying other themes than Castlevania for it and doing some cool stuff on their own. But yeah, mm. this is a uh, something that's cool to see. Mm. It looks like it has more less like uh, open areas and more like bespoke levels. Uh, yeah, to to you know funnel enemies through and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. very much uh, four playable characters, thirty weapons. 10 enemy types are going to early access launch at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's cool. I'm curious to see mm-hmm. that in action. Uh, so yeah, yeah, there you go. Yep. And uh, yeah, next up here, one of the bigger news of the week, uh, mm-hmm. Elden Ring did really well and people have been, you know, complaining like, when are they going to put out DLC for this? Yep. Uh, I want it more because somehow that's not enough of a game for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they finally announced Shadow of the Erd Tree mm-hmm. uh, that is going to be coming out at some point. They literally just announced the name, shows some you know concept arts, and that that's it. Yeah. So there's no details other than people that know the lore a lot more saying it involves probably involves certain characters and that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah, that is a. So it's probably, I don't know, probably happening next year, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe late this year, but I assume probably next year, just based mm-hmm. on them not saying any date or year or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, with 20 million copies sold, they have all the time to work on it as much as they need to. Mm-hmm. I liked uh, when I was typing the name of this into the, the Google Doc here. The suggestion for Erd Tree it had for me was Nerd Tree. <coughs> I was like, That's what funny. is a nerd tree? What is Shadow of the Nerd Tree? <laughs> and it's like, I, don't, I was like, I'm pretty sure Erd Tree is a term. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just weird. It's like Google Docs coming up with the weirdest alternate suggestions. So, mm. but yeah, there you go. Some big DLC will come out at some point. Mm-hmm. But literally no details. So, probably not anytime soon. Mm. Uh, but yeah, also big DLC also announced for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Sort of the other big announcement out of the Pokemon Day stuff mm-hmm. is that they are doing uh, sort of two waves of a big expansion that's called the Hidden Treasure of Area Zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's separate in two parts. will take players beyond the existing Paldea region and let them mm-hmm. encounter, I think it said something about like 230 more Pokemon that are not in the, the main game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, part one is called the Teal Mask. We'll arrive first, taking players on a school field trip to the land of Kitakami, mm-hmm. a mountainous region with a village at, at the base. Part two is called the Indigo Disc, and it's slated to arrive mm-hmm. sometime before the end of winter 2023. Mm-hmm. And see players visit their sister school, Blueberry Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they will link up to one continuous narrative, just broken up into two chunks. Mm. Uh, so you'll probably be able to uh, pre-order that at some point, and then just wait for that to come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, much like uh, Elden Ring, they have sold over 20 million of those copies of that game already. So oh, they, yeah. I <laughs> uh, have no reason to not put this out at a, a good time for them. So yeah, it seems like that'll be out probably late summer or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there you go. More Pokemon for the game that people uh, either love or hate. 
Yep. And neither neither one can make up their mind, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last three here are all Square Enix news. Yep. Uh, the studio that made Forspoken Luminous Productions is being folded into Square Enix. Yeah. Unfortunately, that game did not sell as well as they had hoped it would be, so... Yeah. Uh, Which stinks, because I wanted that game to succeed, but the sad truth is, is that it's just... As far as the AAA games go, it's kind of mid. Yeah, it seems like one of those games that went for something and then maybe mm-hmm. didn't nail it. Yeah. But it was pretty ambitious for what it was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as of May 1st, they will be merged back into their parent company. Mm-hmm. Probably given a dumb name like Business Production Unit 12. Mm. As Square Enix's studios are often named poorly mm. like that. So I think Business Unit 3 is the one that's making 16, Final Fantasy mm-hmm. 16. Uh, but yeah, there you go for that. That's unfortunate news. Hopefully nobody loses their jobs, but I I assume they wouldn't be doing this if, it's, uh, if it would have been better for them to just shut them down. Mm-hmm. But who knows, but... And sort of following that up, uh, Square Enix president Yosuke Matsuda is stepping mm-hmm. down. Yep. Uh, I think to be replaced by Takahashi Kiryu. Mm-hmm. I have no clue what that guy did before, but... Me neither. <laughs> uh, this guy uh, has been in charge of Square Enix for the last 10 years, and mm-hmm. especially the past few years has had a lot of bombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Babylon's Fall, which just shut down, I think, this past week, so it's completely unplayable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, the Forspoken has not done very well. Mm-hmm. They just had uh, random titles that just did not do very well. Uh, mm-hmm. Though last year they put out like a dozen games, and most of them were pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't imagine that. You know, all of them did very well for them. So it's just such mm-hmm. a huge amount of titles. I can't imagine that anything that didn't already have some sort of audience mm-hmm. uh, would have done super well. But yeah, he's probably been pretty decent as a successor to Yoichi Wada, who oversaw a lot of weird turmoil mm-hmm. during his time. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Final Fantasy XIV kind of got righted its ship mm-hmm. uh, under Matsuda's watch. Yep. As well as getting, you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake you know, out there and doing really well. Mm-hmm. Then you had, you know, Marvel's Adventures and stuff like that. Yeah. Just kind of added to their their woes there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, not a huge surprise that they would make a change at this point as they, you know, get set for this new era of Square Enix without the IDOS and Crystal Dynamics studios mm-hmm. uh, and sort of figure out what they uh, want to be for their next you know, decade or so mm. of this. So, yeah. There's a lot of people like, oh, he advocated for NFTs. That's why he lost his job. It's like, not really. Mm. Like, that's probably such a small part of anything they've been doing. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just the headline thing. Yeah. It's been more that he's had like a, a 50-50 record, essentially, mm-hmm. on games doing well. And, the you know, shareholders and the other people running the company don't like you know, 50-50 chance of doing well. 
Yeah. It's sad, but it's true. Yeah. But I would be surprised if this sort of pushes them to do more mining of their back catalog. Uh, yeah, possible. Because that stuff's low, low risk, low, you know, uh, investments uh, for higher rewards. Mm-hmm. And it's more what people want. So they want, yeah. you know, say, a way to play Chrono Trigger on their new shiny consoles. Mm-hmm. Not have to have a PC or a Steam Deck for that. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, Square Enix is shockingly, you know, holds that game to its chest, like, really tightly. <laughs> yeah. So much it so is. that when they put out the Chrono Cross remaster, people were like, wait, what? You're acknowledging that game exists, but not Chrono Trigger? Yeah. Like, I've always wondered if there's just some weird, like, thing involving, like, you know, cre- you know, like, rights or something. Because that game has not been re-released a lot, and when it does, it's usually a key affair. So I'm guessing, you know, maybe it's also they're just still convinced that not a lot of people want to play it, which, yeah, I don't know. It it uh, it none it it's all very strange. Yeah, it feels like they put out the PS1 version on PS3 and PSP, and are like. Mm-hmm. Why aren't people chopping up, uh, you know, to buy this game? It's like because that's probably the worst version. Yeah, it's you know a version of this classic RPG where every time you go to, you know, change your inventory or whatever, you have to mm-hmm. wait like five seconds because it has to load. Versus yeah. the other versions, which all work like you expect, because mm-hmm. they just did a shitty job with a, you know, the emulation to make the PS1 version. Yeah. That's basically all it was. Yeah. It's not because the PS1 couldn't handle a Super Nintendo game, because they did you know, other Final Fantasy ports that were mm-hmm. mostly fine. Yeah. It's Chrono Trigger, like, ah, this is as much as we want to do. Yeah. It'll yeah. sell on, you know, Akira Toriyama's name on there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. There you go, he's gone. And yep. the last one, Yuji Naka. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder what the other Square Enix news was. Uh, he's in court now. Yep. Uh, over his insider trading, his two bouts of that that he had last year that got arrested on. Mm-hmm. And he admitted to it. Yep. Uh, at least for the one here, uh, saying there is no doubt that I knew the facts about the game before it was made public and bought the stock. This is for uh, trading $1 million in stocks while working at Square Enix in relation to... Uh, I think this is not the Dragon Quest game. I think it's the other one. Yeah. yeah the, uh, Final Fantasy VII, The First Soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard that they were working on this with this studio and bought stock in the studio uh, before the announcement was official. Yep. Uh, which is clear inside trading. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did it in relation to the studio that made Dragon Quest Tact. Uh, mm. That was another one, but that was much smaller, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's about 10,000 shares or about $20,000 US in the, the developer of Dragon Quest Tact. But mm. for A Team, the developer of Final Fantasy VII, the first soldier, he bought 120,000 shares mm. or about $1.05 million. Yeah. Uh, which is a much bigger red flag for that stuff. So, seems yeah. Like he's going to get some sort of penalty, but we'll see if. Uh, Japanese financial law is as lax as American financial law. Mm-hmm. 
I think, well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah, there's not many examples of rich people going to prison over this stuff, and one of them was Martha Stewart. Yep. Here in the U.S. Yeah. But yeah, there you go. Yuji Naka. He's mm-hmm. going. Uh, well, he's got more trial stuff to do, but he's at least yeah. admitted it. Maybe that's part of a plea agreement. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know Japanese law, so I don't know if that's even a thing there. Yeah. Closest I've seen to that is Phoenix Wright, which is a bastardization of uh, the original game because the, the original game was set in Japan. Then they said, mm-hmm. we have to make it America because Americans yeah. don't understand Japan. Yeah. And then they, and it's all literally just nonsense mm-hmm. American culture stuff. Yeah. Which is like, oh, they got hot dogs and, you know, Texas and all this. What if we make it all the same shit? It's like, what? Mm-hmm. This is not one city that you're showing here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I'm surprised with those collections they've done. They didn't do like a faithful, you know, localization. Yeah. They just have, have both uh, available. Mm-hmm. That would, though, that's an idea for them to resell the collection with a faithful localization. Mm-hmm. Instead of that era, because it's like Elite Beat Agents was another one that was Nintendo, though. Mm. Where they're like, whoop. These people aren't going to understand, like, you know, cheerleading type of music rhythm game stuff. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's not technically cheerleading. That's like the, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's like a, a male version of that. But they're more doing, you know, a lot of just yelling and such. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a similar idea. Mm. Uh, but... Yeah, they're like, no, what if we do that? What if we do, like, American music? And they're like FBI agents or MIB agents. Mm-hmm. Thing. And it's like, and it's all covers, like weird covers of songs, you know. Yeah. Avril Lavigne and all this kind of weird stuff. Very mm-hmm. early 2000s music. It's like, that's still very good, but it's also just very weirdly localized. Oh, yeah. Instead of trusting the audience might enjoy it no matter what. Mm-hmm. But they haven't even put that game out in any other way. Yeah. So they need to get on that, Nintendo. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, there you go. That's the the show for this week. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun stuff. Hopefully we'll have Dan Reb back for next week. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, as, the, as March roars on, uh, we will have Daylight Savings Time happening next week. I forget which one we, I think we go forward. So we lose an hour. Yeah. Spring forward, fall back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not going to really change anything. Cause we all have phones and computers and such that do that stuff automatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I have my, my alarm clock that literally had a power outage that stopped it from working correctly. Now it's yeah. just been, I've refused to set it. <laughs> So just sitting here blinking at me. It's one of those mm-hmm. clocks that's supposed to remember the time so that when it gets, when you lose power, it goes back to its right time. Yeah. But I think it's broken. So I just rather it blink at me and I don't understand what time it says. Mm-hmm. So then I can just look at my computer or my phone and I'll get it. So it's not a big deal, but mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you, Brandon, for joining this week. Always. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news. Mm-hmm. and games to talk about and if you enjoy the show feel free to let friends and family know they should check it out mm-hmm. as well as select strangers that will uh remind you that the, uh, the you know the time's changing next sunday 
Right. Uh, and won't uh, make fun of you for forgetting about it. Yeah. Because I absolutely will unless somebody Yeah, you'll wake up and you're like, why is it 10 o'clock instead of 9? Yeah. And it'll be like, oh, shit, they stole my time. It's the most evil thing about daylight savings time. They steal away an hour of sleep. The worst is uh, in the fall because they give you an hour. And I think it's generally that weekend that the uh, extra life streams are going on. Yeah. So people are doing their 24-hour streams and then realize, oh, wait, no, this is 25 hours because at a certain point, like 1 a.m., it goes, instead of hitting 2 a.m., it goes back to 1 a.m. Yep. And they have to do an extra hour, and then they they want to kill themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to have none of that going on this week. So mm-hmm. thank you all for tuning in. Hope you have a good week ahead, and we'll see you all next time.